Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is February 21, and our chapter reading for today is Deuteronomy chapter 5. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Repetition is the mother of learning. I've said it for decades now. I'll continue to say it until the day that I die. God loves repetition. And what we are doing together is forming a habit of getting into the Word of God every day by studying one chapter, reading one chapter, sharing one chapter throughout the 365 days of the year. That's why it's the 365 Bible reading plan. Now, research has shown, as I have shared with you before, and I'll do it again, that if you do something, For 21 days, that's amazing because of the numerology and the study of gematria. That is the number three, which is the number of God's perfection. And we've gone over this before as well, but just to reiterate it, that three is the number of perfection. God is one. He is the triune God. That means he is a triunity. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three manifestations of one God, but one God in three persons, three distinct persons, yet one. You say, well, now that is hard for my mind to grasp. Well, welcome to the human race because God is transcendent. You and I are not. He is infinite. You and I are finite. And so you take the number three, which is the number in the Bible for God and things related to God as man. Man is body, soul, and spirit, a tripartite being. And also God in all of his doings as far as worship and his relationship to man, he does things in three. That is, there is in the great tabernacle, the tent of appointment of meeting, there are are three various sections. There is the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place, what we generally call the holy of holies. Same thing was true in the first temple. Same thing's true in the second temple. The same thing will be true for the temples in the future. You see, the reason is, is because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that this is the pattern of the gray worship center in heaven. This is what God told Moses. You make sure, Moses, that you follow the blueprint, the schematic, if you will, of what I am giving you, because this is what's in heaven, a great worship center. And some people don't like to admit that, but everything doesn't originate on earth and everything doesn't originate with man. You see, God is the center of everything and he was before all things and will be after all things. He is God almighty. And so when we come to reading the Bible, we need to understand that there are certain numbers that have meaning. So you have the number three. Then you have the number four. That is the number of the world. There are four points on the compass, four seasons in a year, etc. And so 
You put those together, you have the number seven. Seven is considered the perfect number. Well, you have three times seven, that's 21. And all research shows that if you do something 21 days, three times seven, three weeks, that is four weeks with a Shabbat on the end, six days, and then a seventh Shabbat, then you will begin to form a habit. You don't form a habit, you're beginning to form a habit. But isn't this amazing? All the research shows that if you follow that pattern for 21 days, three times, you heard me right, three times, that is 63 days, add three days on to that, 66 days, if you do something in a row, you could even miss a day from time to time, intermittent throughout that period. But if you do something three times seven and then three times 21, 63, and you add three days to that, 66 days, and 95% of the people will form a habit that you will miss and that you will have to cross barriers in order to not complete. That is, you have formed a real pattern and a rut, if you will, a routine, a ritual, if you will, that will keep you going in the same path if you will just follow what now is ingrained in your heart and mind. It is a rhythm that God gives us. And I don't understand all about numerology. I just accept the reality of what it is. And this was research that was done in the university in London. The College of London did this. And there are other studies that gave similar results. All I'm saying is that we're forming a habit. And one of my goals is not to make you a complete theologian in 365 days or to help you to become a professor or anything like that. I want you to learn the Word of God. And I want you to get into the habit of reading the Word of God on a daily basis. Well, we've come to chapter 5 in the book of Deuteronomy, and Moses is continuing to rehearse to the people what he had already started telling them. And remember, he's doing this. He's rehearsing this. He's repeating this. Many of the things that we've already learned in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, now he's going over in the rehearsal of the law before they go into the land of Canaan, into the land of promise. Now, they already have the entire Eastern Bank from the border with Edom in the very south of what is modern day Jordan, all the way to Mount Hermon, the Habashan, the part that's called the Bashan. That's Habashan. Ha means that's the definite article in Hebrew, the Bashan. We call it Bashan. The Bashan is in Hebrew, Habashan. At the very end of that 35 to 40 mile Bashan is Mount Hermon. And in the New Testament, that was called Galanitas or Galanita. And so that's where you get the idea and the wording of Golan, the Golan Heights, because they are higher, towering over the great Syrian African Rift Valley. Then on the western side of the great Syrian African Rift is the hills of Naphtali, really mountains as they tower way above the valley below the Hula Valley. And on the other side of that is modern-day Lebanon. Now, the reason I am wanting to spend some time in chapter 5 is because Moses is rehearsing what we call the covenant or the Ten Commandments. 
Now, Moses, in going through this, says, We are not keeping a covenant that was made to the fathers neither just their fathers or the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, the covenant that was made at Sinai with the nation of Israel is a conditional covenant. That is, God says, if you do this, you live this way, you do a certain habit of life that's good, you're going to be blessed. But if you disobey me and you run from me and you hide from me and you don't do what I say, then you're going to be cursed. God said, this is a conditional covenant. I've given you the land because I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is unconditional. I'm going to give you the land, but you're not going to get to enjoy it. You're not going to get to till it and plow it and live there and live in peace if you don't obey. And so this Mosaic covenant is a conditional covenant, whereas the covenant that was made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and will be made to King David concerning his kingdom being an everlasting kingdom, those two covenants are unconditional. This is why that Matthew starts out the entire New Testament with his first chapter, his first verse, right out of the chute. Here's what Matthew says. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, who is the son of David, who is the son of Abraham. Immediately, Matthew ties all of the Old Testament fathers with Jesus and the promises made to Abraham and to David, which are unbreakable. They are forever. They are irrevocable. God will never draw them back based upon the obedience or disobedience of the people that he made them with. That's not the case with Moses and the type of treaty or covenant that he made, which is a suzerainty type of covenant. And we've talked about that in the past. And so all I'm saying is we are doing just what Moses is doing before he takes the people down in the valley for the last time and he goes up on the mountain and he dies. And so he's wanting to make sure that they understand that there is blessing for obedience and there is a chastisement, not disownership, but chastisement for disobedience. Now, there's a reason for this. In chapter 5, in verse 32, Moses says, Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you. And then here are the effects of that. So that you may live. That's right. So that you can live and not die. You see, there is no promise of life. There is no promise of a tomorrow. You see, when you disobey God, you're taking your life into your own hands, which is shaky hands to have your life in. God has your life in his hand. And when you're walking in the will of God, there's no safer place on earth. When it gets into our hands, we're in trouble. And if you disobey God and I disobey God, we're going to get on shaky ground very quickly. God told the people of Israel that he told us that even God's children in whether you're talking about the Abrahamic covenant with the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, or whether you're talking about the new covenant with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, the savior of the world with all of those of us who are grafted into the great covenant promises spiritually of Abraham, that is salvation. God disciplines his children. Now, if you don't belong to him, you're in deep trouble. 
If you've never given your life to Jesus and you're stubborn as a mule and you say, well, I'll do it when I get ready, God could really take you out of this world before you have a chance. It could happen very quickly. But for those of us who know the Lord and walk with God, there is a sense of destiny with us, and you know it in your heart. And when you're walking in obedience to God, there is a sense of security and safety. When you're walking in disobedience and you're living outside the will of God and you're not following Him, there is a sense of fear and intrepidation because God loves us, but He loves us enough to tell us the truth, and He loves us enough to discipline us. Remember, He is a father, not a grandfather. So He said, you need to keep my word to the Israelites so you can live, but not only that, that you may prolong your days. That's the last of the triplet that he gives them. But did you see what was in the middle? That it may be well with you. You see, God does want to bless you. He wants you and I to live in the joy of knowing Him, of walking with Him. There's no greater joy on earth. There's no greater peace on earth than when you're walking with God. God said, just trust me, walk with me, obey me. And you see, the grace of God that you and I are under teaches us to obey. It doesn't teach us to do our own thing. It doesn't teach us to rebel against God. Freedom in Christ doesn't mean we get the right to do anything or have the right to do anything we want to do. What it means is we have the right, that is, we have the freedom, that is, we have the grace now to obey God, whereas before we didn't. So we have freedom now to obey. Before we were slaves to sin, slaves to our own Adamic nature. And so Moses tells the people here as he has them gathered, God wants the best for you. Walk in his light. Why? So that you may live, number one. Number two, that it may be well with you. Number three, that you can live a long time in peace in the land, that you can live in the land that God is going to give you. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.